Town Hall Academy, episode 65. That first paragraph in the EULA that Greg just read, that we none of us read, uh, right? And you understand that you're okay with them working with the dealership down the road, and they're giving them that information, then that's okay. You just need to understand it, right? Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome and hello, aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 65. Are you ready to take a deep dive into the data you own? Your company's business intelligence? You're in for very thought-provoking talk radio, as only the Town Hall Academy can deliver. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Town Hall Academy. Now, you know a family keeps their vehicle an average of 11 years. Now, where's the first place to turn when the drivetrain fails? Why, go to Jasper, of course. A vehicle is a major purchase, and it should be trusted to a 100% owned associate company for quality, remanufactured products. Choose Jasper. The Town Hall Academy archives are well documented, and with this, there are 65 valuable episodes that share the collective wisdom from your aftermarket colleagues. So important, in fact, that a collaboration with AMI, the Automotive Management Institute, will make the Remarkable Results Radio podcast a part of their elective learning program. To find all the podcasts that are part of the AMI accreditation program, there's a special page on my website. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash AMI. Take the first step. Hey, joining me for this Academy on SMS Data Control is Kareem Morsel from Winkler Automotive Service Center, Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan, Chris Clodier, owner of Golden Rule Auto Care in Dallas, Texas, and Autotext.me, and Greg Buckley from Buckley's Personalized Auto Care in Wilmington, Delaware. It looks like we picked a great crew to dig into this issue on your data. Besides forming up a better understanding on how your data may be collected and used by your vendors, we discuss how do you ethically share your business intelligence for the benefit of all, including ourselves? How should you be protecting your customers' data? And when you sign a EULA, the end user's license agreement, with a vendor, do you know what you're signing? Those thoughts are just the tip of the iceberg in this forum. Find the show notes and the bios on my guests at remarkableresults.biz slash A065. Now get ready for an extended episode and get a first-hand discussion on a new podcast series in the making. Yes, you'll hear how the group created a new series that I hope we can premiere soon. Now enjoy a lively and engaging chat with my guests, Kareem Morsel, Bill Nalu, Chris Clodier, and Greg Buckley. Now in honor of some great geek talk, how about a nice tech sounder for the intro to the episode? So Greg, first question goes to you. Okay. What kind of responsibility do we have for this data? Uh, we have a lot of it. The, the clients come in and, and you know, they, they're not really thinking too much about, you know, uh, are you spreading my uh, information around and stuff like that. I mean, it's, they come in, they want their car repaired, and they want to go home and drive safe and all that good stuff. Uh, what we collect, though, is, you know, the where, the how, the what, the why, everything that uh, goes about in an interaction. Um, and that comes through our SMS and our CRM platforms. And it's, it's invaluable to us because when we go back to look at our metrics and, and see, you know, and study our client base and study our businesses, what do we look at? We look at facts, figures, numbers, uh, turns, you name it. And that, if that information is to be exploited, um, people can examine what we do, how we do it, uh, the, the cost of doing it, uh, the profit in doing it. And that's the kind of stuff that uh, we look at. Like, I don't like anybody uh, kind of like peeking in on my uh, business intelligence. Um, that's on top of the customer data that we, that we supply, that we have, you know, uh, name, uh, address, phone numbers, email addresses, uh, vehicle make model, and most importantly, the VIN code. That's the social security number of the vehicle. So we do harbor a tremendous amount of information. And when you think about the repetitiveness of those actions in all of our operations, that's a really monumental and a massive amount of data that people would really like to hone in on. And, and they do it in a way that maybe or maybe not we're aware of. So, um, you know, we, 
we have to maintain our responsibility, and that goes for just not our B our, our B and I, um, but that goes for the client privacy as well. So uh, it's interesting. He says that the VIN codes, the social security number of the vehicle gang, is. Are there any restrictions on that? And if you're sharing data with someone, that VIN code, actually, that's the ticket, right? I mean, that's that's the golden goose. Yeah, I want to bring up Carfax, right? Carfax, I believe there's a good majority of owners out in America that share their SMS data with Carfax, right? And, and it's good and it's bad, right? Carfax just started now marketing to our clients, right? They've got an app now. They're talking about service. They're tar- start talking about reviews. Is it, is it bad from a, uh, a customer perspective? Because now you have more of a history that's attached to the vehicle versus just the history from my shop versus the history of, you know, the last dealership they went to and Bill's shop and Greg's shop and Kareem's shop and then my shop, right? So there's give and trade. And, and I mean, this has to do with, are you okay with sharing that data? I think a lot of owners got shocked by the fact that <clears throat> Carfax did that. They're, they're a free service, but nothing's free, right? So they're going to take that data. They're going to process it. You know, they're probably using that data. They get your VIN, they get your license, they get a, a lot of information about that car, what are they doing? Who are they selling it to on the back end side, right? So there's yeah. good and bad, right? <clears throat> I'd like to add something else too, because the, the other thing a lot of I, I find that when I speak to multiple shop owners out there, we've had this conversation over and over. Because I, to me, from by the way, you you all know here, and some of you out there listening don't know. I, I've got three years into this industry. Okay, I've, I, I bought a shop two and a half years ago, but I'm coming from an IT background of 20 years, where I had two companies, did a lot of work on on IT and data particularly cloud-based solutions. And Chris, you know exactly what I'm talking about because, you know, the, you know, the way that things are moving forward today is all in the cloud. Having said that, to Greg's point, you know, the VIN number, you know, it's kind of like a social security number for the, the, the car. And a lot of people will say, well, it's only a VIN number. Well, you have to think about that piece of data being a piece of the bigger puzzle because with that VIN number, a company that's smart enough will go to the DMV and get the latest and greatest information of who owns that vehicle. And then they'll cross-reference that owner's per, you know, name with an address bank and figure out where they live. And what I'm saying here is be careful because that data allows anyone out there to pinpoint where your customers are geographically. And what's the next easy step for these companies to do? Sell that data? And then your customer could fall into the lap of maybe a competitor. And, and I think that's, that's, you know, that's what we need to do as shop owners is just be a little bit more careful and understanding as to what can happen with your little piece of data in a grander scheme. You know, you said, you, you just said a, a mouthful. We have to be careful. When you sign an end user's license agreement, I don't know about you, but I've probably signed 50 of them in the last uh, 10 years. And all I did was click. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> don't we all do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, what's really important, and if I may, and I'll, I'm going to make, and I promise, I'll make a, a copy of this and put it on the alumni wall here. Um, but let me read real quickly the first article, the very first article in the, in the uh, company that has the Fox as a spokesperson in their agreement. Okay, quote. Article one, facility authorizes the release of all information from the inventory, sales, and service records of facility, including but not limited to VIN or license plate with state, date, mileage, service, and repair order information, collectively records to Carfax directly or through facility service provider. For perpetual, perpetual use in Carfax and Carfax's affiliates, products, or services. That means any partner that has gone with Carfax or has signed an affiliation agreement has rights to that data as well. So for the purpose of this definition, control means the power to direct the management and policies of an entity directly or indirectly, whether through the ownership, by contract or otherwise. Facility understands and agrees that in order to obtain facilities records from the company, Carfax may share information regarding this agreement with the company application. Article one, you don't have to read anything but open up the damn page and see that, that, that. what you're getting into. But what did we just say? Yeah. No, we just go, hey, I'm going to get you some car count. Let me sign up. You know, I'm all mm-hmm. a roll here. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is where we, all of us as shop owners, and I should say, 
It's just not shop owners. It's small businesses in general. And, and I'll, go, I'll go one further, Greg. You said something very interesting. You said, in, you know, in reading that, you said perpetual, number yes. one. Yes. Number two, with all partners. But it's all partners, current and future. Correct. And I want to bring to light one very big discussion we had in some of the other Facebook groups here. You know, when we had the CarMax and RepairPal, you know, alliance that was announced a few months ago, many people were up in arms uh, saying, oh, you guys are seeing too much into that. Well, if you were to take this article that Greg just read, which I guarantee you, you will find it in RepairPal's EULA as well, okay? And you're looking at the relationship that CarMax now has because CarMax became an investor in RepairPal by injecting over $5 million in there, in that company. Uh, just think about what, they can, what could CarMax do with access to that data. Just think about it for a second. You know, all your RO information, all your financials regarding that particular ticket, all your margins, you know, where the, where the customer lives. I mean, just think about it for one second. And I'm not saying that we need to be always thinking conspiracies. We need to be thinking bad people out there. At the end of the day, you're dealing with corporations. But wait a minute. They're out to make money. Guys, Chris, Chris. All right, Chris, you're my guest. I'll let you go first. <laughs> I, I just want to say... We're not preaching doom and gloom, right? We're just no. preaching awareness. Let, let's be awareness. clear. If you're okay yes. with sharing your data to Carfax and you understand the repercussions of what that first paragraph in the EULA that Greg just read, that we none of us read, uh, right? <laughs> and you understand that you're okay with them working with the dealership down the road and they're giving them that information, then yeah. that's okay. You H- just need it, to understand it. Has right? anyone been hurt yet that you know of? <sighs> I, it's it's insidious. You don't see it, but it happens. I know that, and, right. and so well, I think, yeah, it is. And what's happened? What from from what I have witnessed on multiple boards, where some of this information I, I've placed on here, is that people all of a sudden are starting to realize that they're getting uh, their clients are getting um, uh, surveys done by Carmax, Carfax, not them. And in paragraph, you go down to this. Uh, agreement here and down the road it says hey by the way we can contact your clients and ask about how you doing you know so all of a sudden these you know the, the shop owners are going wait a minute wait, why is carfax all of a sudden I'm, I'm my carfax portal page is populated with these reviews i knew nothing about it well yeah. you might not know but you didn't read so yes. then so i need to ask a question and bill maybe you've got the answer to this uh, you know kareem you you mentioned they've got all this data my margins my costs my parts and everything don't we have to uh, allow that somehow i mean are we clicking on a EULA that says you can have everything that my SMS generates? And isn't there a switch in the SMS that says, I'm sorry, you can't have all of that? I mean, where's the where's the protection against the consumer, the shop owner? The consumer, you're the shop owner. I don't think we can I don't think I don't think we can ask for protection. I think what we have to if there's one thing we get out of this today is somewhere between beware and be aware lies the truth somewhere. The, the level of sophistication that the shop management system is taking on, I mean, just go back, in my case, go back 25 years. I had a shop management system and we we're pumping this customer information into the system. This is before customer retention marketing. This is before uh, digital vehicles inspections. This is before all the other layers that come on. And so if this sounds complicated, let's make it real simple. We process oil, we process tires. Imagine you signing off on some oil that goes off to somebody who's going to process it. That person sells it to somebody else. We have a spillage. It's your oil that causes that problem. You're involved in that. So the person who is generating the data is ultimately responsible or or to blame, whichever way you want to look at that, for where this information goes out. And so before before we go any further with this, the one thing we I want us to accomplish in this hour it's not just as simple as looking at other vendors, you know, those that may or may not cause problems for us. We ourselves also are responsible for something that's really egregious in our industry, and that is the way we process our customers' credit card information. Uh, there's not a single person on this panel, nor in the industry, as far as I'm concerned, that has never taken a, a manual entry credit card over the phone, non-PCI compliant, on a fax machine, non-PCI compliant, you know, on an email, 
this is the level of sophistication that we're invited to. We have to find different ways of controlling where this data goes and, and how far it can travel. Now, is this a, some kind of a service agreement that we have to have that we sort of form as shop owners that say, if you don't sign this as a vendor, then clearly we can't do business with you. Know, with you. There's some kind of controls placed over it. I'll leave it to the two IT experts on the panel to answer that. I, I, you're going to pay Go for it. Right. Yeah. So, so free is not free. Your, your data is the payment. Right. Facebook made it clear that you're the product. Right. Carfax is not free. So is everybody going to pay for nobody pays for email right now. Google in 2017 just said, hey, guess what? We're going to stop reading your emails and, and target marketing you. We're still going to market to you. But in 2017, because y'all remember when Gmail came out, they said, hey, we're going to read your emails. And they're like, oh, why are we getting these targeted marketed uh, messages? And, and they're reading our emails. In 2017, last year, they said, okay, once again, we're not going to read your emails anymore. But it, who's going to pay $5 a month for a Gmail account? I, I think that the problem is, is that it comes at a cost, right? And, and if you're okay with paying that cost, and, the, and you go back to the company and you say, hey, if Carfax... I, I don't want to, you know, share my information with them, but I want access to that data that Carfax has given me. I want an alternative route. And that means that I'm going to have to pay for that service that Carfax has given you with that VIN scanner and that VIN decoder, which is okay. There's companies out there that are going to charge you or you take it on the other end, which is I'm okay with giving up my data for, for free. Right. Right. But I, I think we have to, I agree with you hundred percent, Chris, because you know, if it's free, that's the, the drawback. There's a gray area though. You know, RepairPal is not free. I'm paying monthly and I'm paying a percentage of every ticket I get. Yet, if I was to listen to what they want me to do, which I have categorically refused from day one, is to put a utility on my server that grants them 100% access to 100% of my data. And I think that's what I'm talking about here is to Bill's point. You know, we have to raise the level of consciousness out there and we got to start demanding things. Let me give you an example in a parallel industry. Um, you take a manufacturing plant, uh, you know, uh, I'll take cream cheese, for example, right? Well, Philadelphia cream cheese crafts, you know, has this, per, you know, proprietary recipe and they'll probably work with some food plant to make it according to their recipe. The machinery is the same. Mm -hmm. The recipe is different. And then you've got giant food or, you know, some other big chain that has their own, you know, private label cream cheese and their own recipe. Well, guess what? The manufacturing plant can do the same. You'll just dump your own proprietary, you know, recipe in there. What I'm getting at is these companies that provide cloud-based solutions, what they're doing is they're taking your data, they're chewing it up, and then they're providing you with value-added data, okay? What I'm saying is, do they really need to keep my data? Or better yet, could they not put the processing power, which is out there in the cloud, leave my data on my server, process it, give me the value-add response, and never have to take a copy of my data. Hey, data's king. Let's just be yes, clear, absolutely. man. Data is right. Well, so, but if it's I free, if data. the service is I free, yeah, I know. But if if the data, if if, if what I'm giving and in, in return is also I'm paying, then that's where the gray area is. I, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, you are. But let me let me put a disclaimer in here. Uh, my good friend Jill Trotta from RepairPal just chimed in. I'll, I'll read this. It's Jill from RepairPal. Hi, Jill. I just wanted to jump in. RepairPal does not share information with CarMax or our other partners. We take the data privacy very seriously. So, must have been a rumor. I, I <laughs> That's was, good. And with, all, and with all due respect to Jill, because I know we all know her and we all love her, and I know she works tirelessly hard for our profession, uh, but I, I think that there should be a little bit more transparency in that, either in uh, the language that maybe Jill can provide um, because agreements aren't made on goodwill when you get two monster organizations like, you know, uh, CarMax and RepairPal. Nobody gives you $5 million and say, oh, hey, great. Thanks for joining us. Um, there, there's, there's a monetary reason and there's got to be a, a, a value to that. So whether or not they, that PayPal doesn't share the information, again, it's not a matter of it's a matter of what's collected. And then, then outside of this agreement, they can collect little bits of information everywhere and put a profile together. That's, that's the problem. And, you know, there's a, um, there's a white paper that I supplied and I, Carm, I don't know if I did it on the alumni page or in uh, um, the ASOG page, um, but it, it was from 2015. I ran into it and it, it really states that 
it's still wild west. No one really has a law that says, hey, you can't do this, do that, do this. Um, and, and the government looks at it like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't understand it. And I, do I really care about it? So, you know, right now you have this uh, open area where people can go, let me buy this bit of information. Let me get that information. And then I will piece it together. It's not that difficult. So, you know, I think that that's where we got to, uh, we got to look at and, and like, Everybody's saying, Chris and, and uh, Karim uh, and Bill, you, you guys have mentioned uh, a better way of doing it. We do need to be more intelligent um, in, in how we give the data away, or, or let's put it this way, how we share with a partner that we trust that benefits everybody or yeah. and, and all parties involved. I mean, because in today's market, we're, we're saying to ourselves, I'm giving away this intelligence, right, this data. Um, why? What's 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 the why in all of this? All right. So we as the givers or the purveyors of this, we don't really see that for anyone else's value except for ourselves. However, I really think that it's important that we really investigate and go deep with this and start to work with partners who can explain it. Because in the age of autonomous, when, when we get to the point where we have autonomous vehicles, data will be really, really critical into the movement of that car, into the entire uh, V to V, V to I network, because that car has to be known whether or not its tires were changed at X amount of miles, it was serviced, its lights were working, when was the last time this car was checked? And, and, and the only providers of that data I will be the service providers, which are us. So I think we're going to have a, an evolution of what data extraction will be about, um, will that relate to marketing on the side? How much would we be giving away? I really think it's got to be fine-tuned. And again, it goes back to what you said. It's in a more of an intelligent way. Instead of exploitation, we're working together to make the whole process of, of transportation uh, better and more efficient. You know, so... So Facebook wasn't at fault, right? They, they were. This guy had they had data. This guy was able to collect the data. He was able to get. And like you said, there's really no regulation. So yeah, now the government's trying to grill them and say that hey, you, you did something wrong. But that's why there's so much gray. There wasn't. The, there's what a the lot of gray. What it, yeah. was the ability to collect what it was, right? Well, I think it, the, the the Facebook scenario is is a different animal because. With Facebook and social media, you have you have the ability to psychologically change uh, the nature of a person. Uh, you can influence them emotionally. We're not talking about an emotional situation with car repair. We're talking well, about no, well, that's marketing. Hold on, we we I, constantly all the time try and change by emotional. If you have a good marketing strategy, then you are trying to change the perception of how you're better than the next guy, right? Maybe well, not as yeah. as you think, right? But. The guy who has the money or the dealership who has the money to market better to that customer because they understand what they're marketing, where we're not even doing the retention marketing, right? No question. Beat that there's, shop out, right? There's With no that question. data comes a lot of power. Right. Oh, data. Absolutely, Chris. You're absolutely. If correct. you know what to do with the data, if you know if what to you know do, what to do with it. And uh, I'd like I'd like to add something. Just you know, and it's not just the automotive industry. I mean, if you look at you know. I use demand force still, and demand force caters to you know other types of you know other industries, and and I know you, Chris, are, you're trying to branch out into other industries as well. I think there's a couple of things that we touched upon, and I don't have. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a problem with a guy like Chris taking my data because he already is anyways. But hey, <laughs> but you know it's it's that it's that framework we're talking about. But what is, if you didn't know him? Uh, there's always a dark side to everybody, right? <laughs> I have a EULA. My EULA says, my EULA says it is your data. It is very no, I, explicit I, in I, my I, EULA when you sign right. on to my tool that it's your data. We're not, we're not. Absolutely. Selling. Absolutely. And, and, no, and, 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 too, so. and, and I think, you know, and, and I think the discussion is really not about, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that because it's in a EULA, I'm not, I have to believe it wholeheartedly. Things change, sure. things happen, you know? And, and here's I what I mean. Speed, right? Nobody, no, no, no. But I, it, it could, speeds. We're all abundant, no, no, no. law-abiding citizens, right? It, it, it could be. It, and, and here's the problem I have with the business model in and of itself. The danger is not in, uh, you know, in you, Chris, or anybody else, or, or, or Jill and, and her company betraying us necessarily. It's also in the everyday events that happen that are not being reported on, which is hacking of data. And there is a parallel web that many people maybe have heard of 
But very few people have gone in. Exactly. Chris just whispered it, but it should not be whispered. It should be said out loud. The dark web. <laughs> and that dark web, there are transactions happening every single day, every minute of the day for what? Data. And that is what I'm saying. If we think that the Amazon cloud and all the other clouds, Rackspace clouds are 100% secure, they're not. Mm-mm. And happens every time. So, I again, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I'm saying, look, once again, I'm going to go back to Greg reading the first paragraph of the car, right. the guy with, let's call it the company with a Fox representative. Right. Wow. In the first paragraph, it basically says, we're taking your data. We're selling your data perpetually forever. Exactly. Who exactly. knew that when they signed up with Carfax, right? Correct. To be aware, the dark web is something we really hopefully won't end up on and we're not. So that's you won't know it. Level of, you won't, right? <laughs> you won't know it. Thank you all for that. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to just throw some cold water over you guys for, for a second here. <laughs> hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you, when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. I want to tie a ribbon around what you guys were just talking about and ask this question to to you guys, because, by the way, you're on fire. Thank you. Would you be willing to actually work with someone and sell your data? I guess it depends on how far it goes, right? You know, because the, here's the, as you guys were discussing this, I'm thinking, you know, at Chris's level, right? He's he's so small game in in where he's at. I mean, and I mean this in a in a complimentary way here. It's the Googles of the world, man. It's the it's the apples of the world. Those those are the the big dogs that can turn around and sell billions of dollars of data wholesale to whatever industry. I mean, at this point, they could pretty much say. What industry are you in and what are you looking for? We got it all, you know, right fast here, left fast here. So I think it's safe to say that by and large, the vendors that we deal with at this level, um, I, I frankly, I have, I have uh, you know, I'm concerned about the EULA uh, with RepairPal. That is a real concern with me there. But outside of that, if you ask me, gun to my head, is there anybody that you're willing to drop tomorrow because of what you know today is that you didn't know yesterday? I would tell you no. I think the vast majority of our vendors in our industry are all responsible uh, and they understand. The question is, what happens if that particular vendor gets bought out by somebody bigger and now they don't abide? Now, what happens to our data then? So it's one thing to get. So for me, what I would want is an industry-wide uh, agreement that says not only are you uh, ABC vendor, not to sell my data, but if you get purchased, then that data, just for the record, never ever leaves, never gets sold along with that. And if it does, and I find out about it, we're going to have a day in court over that. I, I wanted to add, you know, you talk about this agreement industry-wide or, or whatnot. You know, you look at the medical in, you know, uh, industry and, and they have something called HIPAA. Mm-hmm. And HIPAA mm-hmm. is ironclad. I mean, right. you are not to share, discuss, um, you know, without consent from the, the, the patient, their data, no matter what it is. And when it does happen, there are huge ramifications which are legally binding at the federal level and that involve, you know, among them, huge fines, criminal pursuits. I mean, it's, it's not a laughing matter. So, you know, why is the medical industry so far ahead and, 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 industries like ours or, or, you know, 
or dentist uh, offices or, or the likes, uh, you know, not under these types of protections. I think you look at Europe, by the way, which has gone so much further than we are. And I think this whole, I, you know, it, it, it just behooves me how, how we're just waking up to it. Like to Chris's point, you know, it's been out there forever. We just click, you know, Greg, you're right. We click. We, I don't go down, especially on an, on an iPhone with my, you know, I, I need my glasses nowadays to read. I'm not going to spend my time reading like scrolling. So we don't read. We don't do anything. And then when things, you know, go wrong, we just we're up in arms. I think, again, it goes back to what Chris was saying at the beginning. We have got as a collective, as independent shop owners, responsible to our customers, our employees, our business, our industry, we have got to be a, a bit more concerted and and more sensitive to what we're doing with our data. And our data, yes. And, and Greg brought up a point about AVs, you know, autonomous vehicles. Let's just think I, I don't, what could possibly happen if there was an accident and no one was behind the wheel or someone was not not really driving the car, but... Don't you think that someday there's going to be HIPAA rules in, as you said, Karim, in part and parcel to the data that was controlling that car that someone could hack into, that could change? That could, I mean, you, you think about deep state stuff. I mean, we we may be discussing 25 years down the road. Who knows what it's going to look like? But if it's all about data, then the control needs to be really heavily thought about. So, so Bill brought up PCI compliance, right? We already have regulations that we have to live by. Now, I know a lot of shop owners who aren't actually taking the correct PCI exam and making sure that their network is actually locked down properly because their credit card machines are on their network, right? And they skip through the exam and they answer it to the, to, they're not answering it honestly so they can pass it. Well, guess what? As soon as you get hit by credit card fees and you're having to go back through your database and it's going to get very expensive. So, yeah. so we already have regulations that we have to live by. Yeah. Well, Chris, um, it actually goes beyond that. What I was talking about is, is getting a phone, like basically a customer's credit card information and then manually entering it in the machine and saying that the card was physically present here. And that's not enough. Then we convince the customer or the customer convinces us to do what? To put his invoice under his floor mat Sure. With his key there and the car unlocked. And we call that professional, right? You know, Bob Greenwood says we need to take this from trade to profession, right? Is that a professional way of handling customers' data? Hell no. Come on, right? So, so I already think, so going back, I think there's res- restrictions or regulations that, that already exist. And I, I'm not for government regulation because I think it's going to, yeah. it, it chokes us. It always chokes us, right? Um, and I think that once again, we need to be, I, I am, about sharing data, right? I mean, I have a system. We can't not be closed systems anymore and closed platforms, no, right? No, yeah. there's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's just no but way. Our, yeah. phone, our phone is, your, your Google and Android, one of the most brilliant things they've done is allowed for other people to develop apps on top of it because Apple doesn't, half of the apps on your phone right now are not owned by Apple or by Google. They're made by some kid that was sitting in a basement down in Chicago, and it's one of the best apps in the world or wherever they are in the world, right? So they've created an open type system. We need to understand what this open system is and make sure that our, our shop management system isn't holding our, our, our data for hostage because it needs to talk to our training company if we want it to talk to our training company. It needs to talk to our website if we want it to talk to our website. It needs it to talk to our digital workflow solution if we want it to talk to our digital Our workflow. supplier. Our supplier, right. absolutely, right? I want to make a point. goes back just a couple uh, comments prior about uh, being on the road. Um, it is a right to walk on the street. It's a privilege to drive on the road. That's key because the privilege is regulated. There has to be some kind of features involved. So as motorists, what are our rights when it's a privilege to drive on the road, whereas if we walk anywhere, that's that's a right of ours. But driving is a privilege. That privilege is not dictated by us. So everything coming down to the AV solution, I think we're going to have compound uh, regulations that are going to dictate that our data is going to have to be moved in some kind of direction in order to make the the privilege safer. I mean, that's a guess. I mean, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a big difference. And I think that uh, it's going to cause us to, to focus more on, like, go back to the intelligence 
of how we distribute data and the purpose underneath of it. You know, I, I just I want to add something quick to go back to Bill's comment about PCI. Um, I don't know how many of you use uh, credit card over the internet. I do, uh, but here's the funny part: uh, credit cards companies are heavily regulated, and we all know that. You know, the moment a credit card has been compromised, uh, the credit card companies are going to come after you. Here's a very interesting way to look at this. Also, we're talking about data, safety of data, and so forth. Um, I don't know how many of you have this in, our, in your shops, but every month I get a what they call a penetration test on my network, right? And they're going to go and they're going to try and see what ports are open on my network. Well, I got a few ports that are open, which are what we would call common ports, actually, in 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 any you know any network, at least for me, uh, and and if a very simple example is port eighty, which is your web port. But according to my Visa PCI compliance test, I fail. And the fact that I failed on that port means that if there was any compromise on any amount of customers' credit card that came from me supposedly, they'd come back and say, "Ha ha ha! Wait a minute, you were not PCI compliant." When I know inherently that this port, port eighty, has nothing to do with the rest of my network. Uh, I'm going to geek out. Was that inbound traffic on port 80 or no. outbound traffic? On inbound, port inbound, supposedly. No, well, they're, not, they're not doing inbound or outbound. They're looking for open ports. No, no, so but, if it's, but if it's inbound, why would you ever have a web server sitting in your network that you're serving up? No. So basically, you, you know, whenever you have, let's say, a router or you have some, you know, backup service that you want to access, you know, so you, so, right, so, it, it, but, and a lot of people don't know that they'll have a router, let's say, for their guests in their waiting room, that router comes factory default with, you know, port 80 open. Sorry about this. But, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to say, but, but the, 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 this is, but this is important. The geek talk, the geek talk is exactly the point. They will drown shop owners in geek talk to make them feel completely like, oh, yeah, okay, if you say so. But it's, it's re- irrelevant to the discussion. And so we got to, it, it's part of the bigger picture. Getting educated, understanding what these, these people are talking I'm about. Glad. Anyway, I'm glad. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I, I, was, I put that up just to, to alert the audience that this is really, it's important. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to make light of it because I'm learning a ton from you. Uh, and, and I think we have to be aware of that. Um, Carm, I was going to suggest you you get Chris and Kareem in a separate room. Yeah, well, get uh, no, no, I'm just going to put them on the next show, and we're just going to have just as the, long as we can talk about routers, networks, big. and switches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, we got really play. interesting concept. You got to throw in the guitar playing too, Chris. Yeah. I got it right next to me. Yeah. I'm still ready for we've, the guitar. We've just developed a brand new series, uh, and it hey, actually hey, listen, listen. I mean, I just want to uh, throw something out. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, David Roman. I know David David is on the private chat, but he's really bringing up some great points that aren't being seen. And, and uh, we're filtering back once in a while back to him. But, you know, he he goes back to the question or the comments that Chris made about it is the choice of the consumer. And that's one point that I don't think we've really developed or got into yet. But, you know, with um, with all the stuff that we went through in 2015 with Triple A. Um, you know, I, there was a bunch of big stink about it, and, and, and I made a couple of videos and got my rear end in some hot water, uh, you know, just for telling the truth. But the key, the key of all of that was um, the actions that I took literally changed the direction that AAA was going. In. And this was what I was told because I, I you know, they they informed me that I they had every every one of their attorneys ready to take me out to the woodshed, um, but they couldn't do it because it was nothing but truth. And from that point on, they change the direction. And the, the point, all that was came, comes down to is that the member, the, and I'm putting this in context of a triple A, um, the member um, has the final say. If they came to me and they signed the agreement with triple A, they've, they've relinquished whatever rights or they've gained whatever rights as memberships, as part of the membership. We could, there would be no issue giving them that much information, whatever the member agrees to. So the member of the slash consumer has the right to say, you know what? I could care less. Give it all away. You know, tell them where I was, tell them how much I spent, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. You know, so how does our, how does our shop management system allow that to be segregated? Is there another thing that they could put on their, um, on their panel, on our ROs that says, hey, customer, member, whatever, doesn't mind your information being shared. Pull away. 
you know, that kind of thing. So, but the customer is the final say. I just want to give compliments to David for bringing. Yeah, I was going to make a mention that I saw Dave's got some great chat. So thank yeah, you, sure. da- David, for that and for being here on the on the webinar with us. Uh, good feedback, great feedback, and and it, it goes to show if you hang around with us on Zoom, there's a, there's a lot more that goes on rather because we don't monitor the Facebook feed. Um, Geek Talk, uh, who owns the data? You guys were on fire, or you are on fire. There's nobody talking anymore. Wow, I guess we're done. <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, you know, another thing is, and I, th- I think we've kind of shared this in some notes prior, is um, what do we do uh, with our ability, our desire to increase our own businesses? And we see these platforms like um, Facebook. And uh, let's go back to the old customer link where, you know, here's a program that was offline with customer link, and now here it is with Facebook. You can match the profile of your client base with prospects. And, you know, Facebook is just launching this out. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Facebook lookalike. Um, lookalike audience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you upload your database to them, your customer profile or, you know, name, address, all that stuff. Boom. They're going to go out and help you target to like kind clients. Whereas customer link, did the same thing. So who's it? Is it a fault? Is it something that we should be afraid of? Or is it something that we should really embrace and go, you know what, I'm doing everything I can be, can, can do uh, to be legitimate, um, to be fair, and actually to grow my business. This just happens to be the electronic new version of something that happened years ago. I mean, I thought- Big, big choice. So here it is. You, you got an email list and you tell people, listen, if you subscribe to this thing, we're never going to sell it. But yet you upload it into the Facebook lookalike thing. Now they have that data. And right. wow. I mean, that, that's a, it's going beyond what anyone ever thought about. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I, I struggle with that very, very same point, Greg. I do, I, I do, I'm Greg. like, because I'm like, man, this is not. You know, in, 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 in the grand scheme of things, this is not the right thing to do. Yeah. Think, guys, this is why, this is why, I mean, I'm just, let's picture the next vendor. Let's say that Facebook, that lookalike thing comes along. Before we sign up as shop owners, what if we have a, a, a I don't know, a committee of five or 50 that looks at this and says, you know, vote yes or no, whether you think this is going to be a caution thing or whether this is a, you know, one of those things where we should just, do it and find out. Uh, I think it's important to, to speak to vendors as a group. And so however way we go forward, I'm not qualified to say other than the fact that, you know, Kareem and I, when we first discussed this, Kareem was the person that sort of planted it in my head. And I thought to myself, you know, he's absolutely right. This is an IT person that's now a shop owner. What a benefit it is for me to have a conversation with somebody that understands the inner workings of what is going on with this data. Because up until then, you trust that that your own family, you think that your own family isn't going to stick you in the back with a knife. But the reality is the reality. We're adults here. We got to be careful. I, so, so Greg brings up a perfect point. I mean, before there was this thing called the internets and the web, right? You, you sent mailers to your customer. That's what you did. Did you get your permission when a customer walked through your door and use you for the first time? Did you say, hey, I'm now going to, you know, click the buttons here to check, check, check that I can now target market to you. So I, there is probably, I mean, that's a good point. A lot of gray now that we're into because you talked about the, the client data and you're talking about the consumer. When, when I hear you talk about client data, I think about the shop, right? Yeah. And it's a different level of, are we getting better at marketing? And, and because mm-hmm. of that, are we sacrificing? So unfortunately, I don't think any of us are lawyers. I'm sure there's probably a lot of gray. If anything I know about lawyers, they teach you a lot of gray when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, whose who's data is it really, right? And what you're responsible for. Um, but I don't know. I, I see it as progression. I, I see it as the way that we live now is I, I want to make sure that I am marketing to my customers in the best way capable. If they're on their phone, I want to be on their phone, right? I, I, I need to be where they're, where they're at, right? So, and, so you, you bring up a, a good point, Chris, not to cut you out, but you said the best way possible. Best has to include ethical. Ethical, <laughs> ethical yeah. Because 
the gray, you know, I, I agree. But that's why we're having this conversation. Right, I love it because right. you know what? Okay. I don't have the answer. Right. <laughs> I have I no mean, idea. I, I really don't. I just know that I, it, it, you know, there's a few things that keep me awake at night. I, I'll be honest with you. This is the kind of stuff that keeps me awake, you know? It, it's cool. it's a good because one. it's so it, it moves so fast and we don't have the answers yet and it just keeps piling on piling on piling on you know they're basically marketing you know imagine if you want to open a shop next door to a, a place that, that you're thinking of right if you have these marketing mercenaries that are willing to give up data for whatever money that that you could uh, afford to pay them if they're willing to do that for you how long do you think it's going to be before they do it to you, right? I mean, it's it's it's. it's, uh, it's I got a good example. Karma, I guess so, if you want to call it. So that. there's a, there was a company that came around, and I'm not I'm not going to say their name, even though I've been saying everybody else's name. Might as well say their name. <laughs> they were a tire, uh, right? Sorry, Karma, you might not get some sponsors out of this, but, uh, <laughs> but they were going around You're killing and they were me. Saying, Hey, you want, we want your tire information, right? We want to, we want to attach to your, and I don't sell tires, so it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm in a 20 group with a lot of people sell tires. And they said, Hey, we, we want to attach to your system and we want to suck out all your data and we're going to take this data and we're going to use it to better serve, right? We're going to go turn around and we're going to sell this data to, um, but we won't sell it to your competitors, but we'll sell it to, you know, potentially manufacturers and stuff like that. Amazingly enough, here's what was crazy about it is the people who signed up, they gave their information away for free in, in hopes that they would get a return of information, information that they may or may not be able to use because I guarantee. So I'm like, in that case, I would have been telling them, yeah, you can have my data and you can have it, have it for a couple hundred dollars a month. I'll, I'll give you that. And that they what they collected <clears throat> is so much better than what you got out of giving it to them and what you give back. Right. So I. You're going back to, hey, can we sell our data? Well, yeah, I mean, either you keep it, buy it, or if you're going to sell it to somebody for a greater benefit, make sure you understand what that benefit you're getting out of it. And if that's monetary, right. I'm okay. They were not going to an individual level and saying, hey, this shop here is doing this. They were aggregating the data. That data, once you collect all those points, is worth money, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I agree with you, Chris. Here's here's something I, I'm, I'm, I'm adamant, because like, we kind of forget that is um, – you know, at the end of the day, let's say, you know, I'm working with a company that aggregates my data and that somehow that data is going to end up directly or indirectly in the hands of my competition. Well, the bottom line is if my competition really wanted to know who my customers are, they can find out, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing is, I think it comes back to the basics is, again, you know, as shop owners, we need to focus not on cost, not on, you know, on, on we need to focus on quality and treating the customer right and providing the utmost customer service. And I think, you know, maybe to negate this whole fear about, hey, what's happening with my data? Who's, sell who's, who's buying it? Who's selling it? You know, what, what's going on with it? Uh, at the end of the day, maybe if we all go with the fact that, hey, you know what? Uh, because I just saw David Roman's, you know, uh, great feedback here again on Zoom. He says, you know, um, there's a huge benefit to sharing data. The market has dictated that it is not only acceptable, but desired. I, I, I agree with that. I do. I think if we look at what happened to Facebook when Zuckerberg went, you know, uh, you know, in, uh, to testify and, and the ramifications thereafter, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think nothing's going to happen. No, and I think, I think right. you know, and so I, I guess, you know, the, the idea is also, you know, yeah, we're talking about protecting the data, but then what type of data is it we need to protect? You know, to Greg's point at the beginning of the show was, you know, there is, there is customer data, there's our financial data on the tickets. There is, uh, you know, all sorts of vehicle data. What data are we talking about protecting here if we're going to protect anything? And the other thing is, I know I am, I spend so much time, so much effort, so much, so much, you know, so much, so much money training my guys on giving my customers the best best mm -hmm. customer service. Mm -hmm. That okay, should so, be our differentiator probably. So Carfax, I love Carfax and I love to pull up the report of all the previous history I, because every new person that walks through my door does not have, they don't have their history and they don't know their history. So that is a pretty big advantage that I can go pull up the Carfax and I can get all the history on Carfax. That's big for a lot of us, right? Am I willing to give that to the next guy. So when they come in Greg's shop that he has that same information, right? I, I mean, I'm okay with that. Cause I think from a consumer that they need that history right now, am I okay with Carfax having a, a, 
you know, going and touching my customer, potentially selling to other things. Obviously, we need to get deeper into what Carfax, who they're talking to and who their partners are, which, you know, Greg, reading that first thing, I mean, that's very, very eye-opening. I want to make sure that the platforms that you're talking, right, platforms now, we need to be able to communicate. But I'll tell you, this technology is moving too fast. It is. And, and happening these open platforms to allow you to either open it up to the other system or not is the important thing because one system, closed systems don't exist anymore. Right. right. So we, we have shouldn't. to understand we're an open world now and, and having the ability for, once again, your website to talk to mm -hmm. your shop management system, to talk to this. Right. And all of them should have Geek More Geek Talk APIs or gateways, application, application programming interfaces, because you don't want to be if you do want to share your data, not having the capability of sharing your data. I want to make that point clear. I'm OK with sharing my data. I just need to make sure I, I understand who I'm sharing it with. Right. And I have the ability to share it because it makes me mad. Yeah. Sorry, one thing, when the shop management system says, nope, you're hostile, you can't share your data with other people because that's considered hostile integration. Well, who are you, shop management system, to dictate who I get to share my data to? That's not okay either, right? You don't get to hold my data hostage, right? So, yeah. And that brings up a good point because I think what it is is that we're all fearful of the unknown. If we knew what our data goes, where it goes, how it travels, what it's used for, its end result, then we're part of the process and we can understand a little bit better and, and maybe feel more relaxed with it. Um, all of us, I, I don't have a problem sharing the data as long as I know what it's used for and how it goes. Um, I do not, I am not comfortable at all, like you said, Chris, sharing any of my business intelligence. I mean, the, what I buy, where I buy and all that stuff scares the hell out of me that if someone's going to pick and choose and cherry pick those numbers, especially from the financial side, hey, I got some, I, I that's that's like, uh, that's not good. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. Is it because I don't know what the end result of it is? Where's the benefit? No one's paying me directly. Like, you know, if I had been a member or if I participate with Carfax or anything like that, they're not paying me directly in dollars for the privilege of taking the data away from me. They're sure as heck getting more than free from anyone they do take data from. So they're selling it. They're flipping it. Uh, what, why aren't we part of that? Whether it's a dollar and cents thing or they come out and they go, okay, you've extracted this much uh, from the relationship. And as a point to this, just before we went on, I put in another video to AAA um, just to highlight the financial, what I can, now again, I consider the financial rewards of being part of that program. And it relates to how much data I have to give them, meaning filling in the portal data, letting them know that the system they, I worked on, the amount that, of the spend versus the amount uh, and including the amount of the discount. Um, and they have all the particulars of the member. So it's a progress for me to see that not only am I helping restructure what an organization that collects data from us is all about. I'm part of the program, part of the process. Um, I can see that my results are now online. They're in front of me. I see them. I study them. I can report back to them and I feel that the value is there for me. It's not, it's totally transparent now. And I think that's the goal that we have to get to in order yeah. to feel more comfortable in relinquishing data points now and especially in the future. So, I, I so share I, my numbers with my 20 group. I'm okay with it, right? Because right. I trust them, right? I trust them. Go ahead, Bill. Right. Yeah. So, so the language the language is, do we create the, the, uh, the agreement? Do we do we agree? You know, do we create it, or do do they create it, or do we sit down at the table and say, "Here's here's what we want specific to our aftermarket industry. These are the ten things that we believe are part of the code of ethics when it comes to the data, how you collect it, what you do with it from that point on." I think this is a great topic because I think ultimately it's it's something that comes from the industry, from us. Number one, I think we need to also differentiate what type of data are we talking about? Customer data, you know, intel business intelligence data, you know, uh, vehicle data. The third thing is, you know, my experience when I, I've, I've been working, you know, software, doing software engineering in the past is some of the very first topics that come up in the discussions is, number one, what are you doing to safeguard your application and the data that generates? Number two, what are the contingency plans that you have in case there is a breach? 
you can work with any you know company that's worth its salt. That is some of the first things you need to. What I'm saying is the first thing you need to think about is transparency and share it with your customers or to be customers. And second of all, you got to think security architecture. Any any company that is not taking that into consideration, I am telling you, uh, to me, it's like okay, what are you what are you talking about? You know. But these are the things that we need to demand of our vendors. Chris, Carm, you're could you add that security <laughs> architecture, routing, networking? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> when no, 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 we... but what, no, no. Hold on. When I mean by architecture, I mean I mean simply from the app to where it's sitting. You know what what's but being done by the, the the company. It'll only be me and Kareem watching our own episode on Geek Talk, but it'll be a good one. That's what we're going to call it, guys. It's going to be Geek Talk. Um, (laughs) Part two two is when? Yeah. Uh, I guess it's going to be at two o'clock this afternoon. (laughs) After our lunch break. I don't know where the hour went, guys, but uh, you were on fire. There was a question that came up. Um, let me see if I could. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you can you can play us you out. You take me home. You want me to put a little background music? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> a little bad. When we ask you to summarize it up, you can add music to your to your monologue. Yes, I was going to give you a bed, a music bed, oh, well, to take it home. It's going to be called Geek Talk, right? Is that okay, guys? Would you all come yeah. back? Oh, I'm cool with it. All right. Thank you all so much. Uh, you know, the evolution of the, the Remarkable Results Radio podcast and the series that I've done with people and, you know, the technician thing. We just we just invented Geek Talk here. So uh, I, 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 this is great. If we don't do it as, as a video, we'll actually get this done in an audio series. Who knows, right? Um, Karim, I, I loved where you went with the word ethics. And in fact, I've been working with a podcast alumni to create a series uh, that would be part and parcel to remarkable results called Everyday Ethics. I just had to tell everybody that we'll probably do my first sit down with this with this shop owner and do our first Everyday Ethics here in a couple of weeks and then put it out because it, you know you you all said so many right things about everything that's going on in our in our great world and thank you for bringing all this up. Uh, and and so I wrote down a few a few of my takeaways is selling our data. Why has it been so easy for us to just click the you know the user agreement and and let someone take it without us saying it? Is it because in the aftermarket we want everything for free, so we're willing to give things for free? You know, is is there time to to, to draw a line for that? And that's just a, a question maybe for round two. And then it was mentioned, and it could have been David. Why don't we have a user license agreement with our customer? And it, which isn't a bad idea. And it goes back to permission marketing. You know, back in the day when Seth Gooden wrote that book, he basically says, listen, you know, you got to ask your customer, can I have your email? Can I have your cell phone number? And if they give it to you, then they're willing to accept what they receive from you. And uh, but the but the ULA for customers may go beyond the fact that their data could be used to market to them. But then again, are you willing to give up that data for someone who could conceivably one day sell it to a competitor? And we know that the industry is consolidating. So data is going to become more important than ever. So thank you so much. Let's go around the room, Chris. You can, of course, you know, you can strum out on your on your final. I'll let Chris be the last person. And so, Bill, I'll, I'll let you go first. Any quick summary for us uh, to end end the show? Yeah, I guess, you know, the, the collection, the data collection business is fairly young compared to the sophistication, the maturity of an industry over 100, and, what, 100 years old. So this is an interesting thing because at this point, now we're, we're sort of looking in, in our morning mirror and saying, you know what, it's time to grow up. I got to know what I'm signing on. More importantly, I've got to listen to people that know more about me than this. And when we have IT folks that are, that are shop owners now, now we've got the right people on our side of the counter advocating on our behalf to make the industry uh, a, a more um, respectable industry, a, bit, a better, a more professional industry, right? Thank you, man. Greg, some advice. Um, intelligence. Learn how data can be used effectively, ethically, and for the benefit of all parties involved. I, I, we're definitely going to have to learn how to um, extract the best value out of this. Uh, I, I feel though we're going to be required uh, to some degree to give up some of the information and, and hold on to our business intelligence as much as possible. Uh, that's my biggest thing. Um, I don't think it's changed from 
where it was from sending out postcards to new prospects and how we got our mailing lists. That's been for decades and decades and decades. This is a new version of how we prospect. I'm okay with that. Um, it's, it's, it's coming in. It's really my, my biggest point is third parties, no matter who they are, coming in and just completely um, not eaten with no transparency whatsoever, coming in and having us sign their agreements, knowing that we'll never read what we're signing um, <coughs> and pulling all this information. Shop owners, pay attention to everything that you want to put your signature on. I mean, if you were buying a house or buying a piece of property, you'd have your attorney consult you and go over point by point what's going to happen. You need to do the same with every one of your engagements on digital properties, period. I don't care if it's someone who, you know, let's say that one of our uh, website providers, one of our CRM providers, anybody like that, read, just read and understand. That's, that's I, I think he said a mouthful there. Business intelligence. You know, I think we really need to stop and think about what we what we own and what we have and what it could be used for. Thanks, Greg. Kareem. Wow. Uh, so first of all, great show, guys. Thank you. Uh, my first one. Hopefully, my not my, not my last. I hope. But hey. I know. I think I think we'll drag uh, him back. Uh, but here, here's, here's, I'm coming in from a from a different profession. Right, different industry, and I think uh, Bill said it very, very well. He said, "Are we a trade or are we a profession?" Number one. Number two. What I love about our industry is how generous and how um, really um, genuine people in this industry, at least as far as the many shop owners that I've gotten to meet in the last two years, the the, the genuineness is so true. And I think it has to do with the fact that. At the root, there's a big amount of generosity. And I think that generosity, we have to be very careful about it because it is being exploited. And to Greg's point, not only each shop owner should really come to terms and understand, but at the end of the day, strength is in the numbers. And I would just hope that anyone who's listening to this podcast, please, please talk about it to others who have no idea what's going on with data. Because if... To Craig's point, if you decide to review a EULA with, you know, with your lawyer and say, I'm not going to sign it, well, guess what? They're probably going to be selling it to other unsuspecting people. And I think it's the mass number of other suspecting people, unsuspecting people that sign that gives life to these types of companies. So if we don't band together as a bunch of educated, sh- smart thinking, asking questions, shop owners about what's going on with our data – there's never going to be enough of a pushback with these third-party companies that are coming in to exploit our data. Great point. Great point. Thanks for being here. Nice job. Uh, and look for this guy on... <laughs> Geek Talk 2. And I'm trying to Wait, shake that re- bad, you, bad reputation. Geek Talk 2.0? Oh, that's what I... Yeah, that would have been... Co- yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Let me do that. All right. I got it. I got it. I fixed it. <laughs> Chris, will let you take us out. Uh, should I pick up my guitar and just play a song that I'm thinking right now, or should I actually... Like, I would, I would say, it, strum it, the guitar it. and sing your final words. I could. I could. Actually, I used to do that on a radio show, but I'm not. I'm going to say awareness, right? My, my point is going to be awareness. I... This has been a great panel, and it's just going to get people thinking. Like Greg said earlier, he, he nailed it. Fear, right? We, we do so many things out of fear, but the reason why we got into business, we were all scared to get into business. We got to remember, like, fear is what drives us, but once we get exposed to it, once we understand it, right, then, then we, we start consuming that knowledge and opening it up. And I think today, I mean, even a EULA, how many people even know, have heard of a EULA before, right, or, or why your data should be shared? I mean, so the more you get exposed to it, the more you're aware of it, I think the more it then lifts that veil of, of secrecy and the fear. And, and we really can. Maybe we can start a panel. Maybe we can go like, I mean, Greg fought a, a 200, 300-pound grill and he, and he changed their perception, right? I mean, so we do have power, but we have to make everybody aware first, right? And, and that awareness then starts bringing top of mind. And then they start saying, hey, I should go hire a network guy to go tear into your network and tell them why your network's horrible. You're not going to know it. But at least you know enough now, hopefully, where you can go, hey, network should be important. I should have my guest network segmented from my, you know, my, my desktop segmented from my tablets, right? All that stuff should not be talking. But, hey, maybe this is, once again, just enough awareness to where people will start thinking, hey, there's a lot more to this, this data thing than, than they realize. If, uh, if, Chris, if you and Kareem start a consulting group, then I want to cut. I just gave you the idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I'm thinking, Carm, we've got a we've got a new stream of episode that once again only me and Cream are going to watch these episodes on Geek Talk. But we'll meet, we'll meet a, a translator. We'll have an audience. It's a built-in audience for a new stream called Geek Talk 2.0. You have to have you have to have English subtitles. So yes. so here I am, always assessing if our uh, if our discussion. Uh, fits in in the audience, and the answer is yes, it does, and it works. And as I was thinking about Geek Talk 2.0 and where we need to to go with the security and the ports and all this stuff, we actually need to hear it. Is yeah. it, 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 it'd be kind of like oh, I got to go to the dentist and have a root canal, you, but <laughs> yes. you go as much as you know. It's 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 an unfamiliar <laughs> thing to you, and you. You go and you come and you listen to Geek Talk 2.0 in the series that we can build because it goes back to the word awareness. I mean, we we really have to know. And who knows where this discussion can go because tech is ruling our world. And if we don't, and we need to talk about it. And I would say while you're listening to Geek, Geek Talk 2.0, actually go to the dentist's office. You might as well kill two <laughs> Yeah. So what do you? The car at the shop. So so uh, I'm drilling away. What are you listening to? Remarkable results radio. God, I love it. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. It Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 